Back at it for another episode of the Dine Sports Podcast. Being joined by Devin Gallant to help us break down a wild Super Bowl 58 last night as the Chiefs emerge victorious in overtime. Dev, how are you doing today, bud? I'm pretty good. Uh, I think San Fran's still trying to review the overtime rules. Uh, apparently, they didn't know what was going on. But uh, yeah, it turned out to be a great game last night. Yeah, well, we might as well start there, right? Because <laughs> that, that was something that even when the game was going on live, you know, you and I and uh, another friend who is a Chiefs fan, we were all watching this game. We kind of turned to one another and went, does it not make sense that if you win the overtime coin toss, you want the ball second? Like, did Warner just autopilot there? Or And then you get to today, and it turns out that they actually just had no plan whatsoever because we've got two quotes here that I had queued up. So Eric <laughs> Armstead. I didn't even know about the new playoff overtime rule. So it was a surprise to me. I didn't even really know what was going on in terms of that. Not a great look right there. (laughs) (laughs) And then we've got our friend uh, Juice who then went and said, you know what? I didn't even realize the playoff rules were different in overtime. I assume you want the ball to score a touchdown and win. I guess that's not the case. I totally, I don't totally know the strategy there. We hadn't talked about it. No. So all of that now being said, I mean, we'll we'll dissect the game in greater detail. There were multiple times that San Francisco lost this game leading up to overtime. But did they really absolutely shoot themselves in the foot here on that coin toss? Or do you think they, you know what, they still had their chances and you know what, no harm, no foul. How, How do you view this playoff debacle overtime rule? Well, like you said, we were talking about it last night live. And I, I, I just like Armstead and juice there, like I didn't, understand the rules so you brought it up first and you were like wait why would they not take the ball second and the entire drive home with craig i was sitting there i was like i need to find an argument to argue against kyle (laughs) because i know his stance on this and it's i i can't find one unless they were looking over at the sideline and we're like okay we have kansas city's defense exhausted right now let's go out but you need to score a touchdown if you're getting the ball first there's no way you can settle for that field goal you're just putting yourself at such a deficit now Mahomes knows he has four downs to play with on every first down yeah and they're gonna march down and score on you I so I cannot find an argument to take the ball first yeah well and even one of the Chiefs players said afterwards that yeah we've been practicing this since the beginning of the season we all for the last two weeks we knew what the overtime rules were and a fun tidbit was if the Niners had have scored a touchdown KC, well, again, easy for them to say now because they don't actually have to go and do it. But apparently they were prepared to go down and go for two to try and win it outright right there at the game. So, again, it's relitigating something that's already happened, but you can't help but figure, right? Like, why would you not want that extra down the entire drive knowing that, hey, even if they do come down and score a touchdown here or a field goal, whatever the case is, we've got four to go as opposed to three. And then you're playing the field position game as well, too. Yeah. There's another, another part of the game that Andy Reed was just had his team more prepared than Shanahan did. Like they were just ready for all these scenarios um, to happen. They knew what exactly what they're going to do. Like you said, they're already planning to go. If they got the ball first, go down and then get the extra two points. They knew they looked at every scenario and had a like, a script for it, which is what Andy Reid with two weeks off is just brilliant at. Yeah. Well, it brings up a good point here as well on in terms of the coaching front. Like obviously, you know, we've we've got 
Andy Reid, who has had his moments early in his career, mm-hmm. whether it was time management or using timeouts or even being unfamiliar with rules himself back in the city <laughs> of brotherly love. But, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan now, this is kind of the third, maybe even fourth, if you want to make some NFC championship kind of arguments yeah. here. Big game that he has been involved in where he's kind of blown it, right? And you would think if anyone in NFL history was going to be aware of the overtime rules. It would be the only person in the game who was involved in the other previous Super Bowl overtime. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> such a glaring oversight that it's almost incomprehensible. Now I'm not going to sit here and be like, you know what? That's too many game, big games that he's blown. You know what? He's not a good coach. Obviously you need to get to the Super Bowl to even have a chance at it. We're not saying he's a bad coach, but there's now a track record here like this isn't just a one-off oh the moment got too big for him there's there's some history here of him in big moments either trying to get too cute with the play calling or getting away from what got them into the lead in the first place or whatever the case might be like his propensity to want to throw the ball when he has the lead as opposed to running the ball that's been working for them the entire game has reared its ugly head several times now so i I, i'm not sure where you really go with this as a niners fan because you can't fire the guy but at the same time you probably want to based on some of the post-game comments that are coming out here no, I have in my notes that I was like, is is Shanahan now the, you know, 2010 version of Andy Reid? When he was still with the Eagles, he it's had... a little bit more slim and trim there, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not comparing weights or anything, but you yeah. know, uh, he's still with the Eagles. They hadn't gone over the hump. He had an excellent regular season record. He's a great offensive mind. Like, and I honestly believe that Shanahan has changed how. NFL coaches run offenses. I think he's brilliant, but he it's almost getting to that point where it's like, are you going to need a change in scenery? Are you going to need to like take a year off and then go to a different team and kind of re-kick start, like get rid of this monkey on your back? Because this is, again, like you said, multiple, multiple big playoff losses where he's, he's kind of at fault on this one. Yeah. Well, it's little things like that where, you know what? that's a hundred percent on the coaching staff. And uh, again, you can say, well, you know, someone else should have been delegated that duty. Kyle had other things going on. It all goes to the top, right? If your team's yeah. not prepared to know the rules when you're the only other person that's been involved in the playoff overtime or Super Bowl overtime in NFL history, like you got to wear that. And I mean, you know, you, you can point to a whole bunch of things as far as where the game started going wrong, but you know, obviously a psychological factor in seeing player after player on the Niners kind of go down with with freak injuries, really, as well, too, right? Weird. Like Dre Greenlaw oh my God. exploding Achilles, which, you know, at the time we were trying to figure out, okay, well, is it an Achilles? Is it an ACL? Like, what just happened here? Is it the turf? But then I started remembering as well is it taylor swift was it her fault did she do it yeah curse of the taylor swift something you know but uh then i thought back and the finale of the regular season if you look at the nfl and the niners injury notes that week uh greenlaw was listed as achilles tendonitis for sitting out that final game Mm -hmm. so it wasn't 
as freakish as we kind of initially thought as far as oh here's a perfectly healthy healthy guy he's excited about a big play and all of a sudden boom there goes his achilles and you know he's out for the game and it has a long road to recovery in a contract year coming up ahead for himself there but you know this is uh this there's a little bit more to it there and seeing like the heartbeat of a defense go out like that because him and fred warner are essentially the you know spoon that stirs the drink there on uh defense for the niners seeing him go out like multiple players said they were in tears in the locker room at halftime and then Mm -hmm. trying to rally from that so there's psychological factors there but that's getting back to the original point of that's where you need strong coaching even more to have these guys get refocused and next man up mentality and hey here's the adjustments we need to make now that we've lost a few key players on both sides of the ball because you know Kittle ran to the locker room and was out for a couple of plays there with some sort of shoulder injury and then he returned and you know so there there was a lot that really got heaped onto that coaching staff and I don't think they did a great deal great job of handling that pressure. Yeah, uh, I I gotta agree with that. Like, and you can't say I, I'm blanking on his name of the the linebacker that is step up without Greenlaw. You can't say that he lost in the game. He was in, in on plays. He was fine. Um, but I actually just rewatched the first quarter because uh, last night I was a little busy doing some coloring with your daughter. Uh, so I rewatched the first quarter, <laughs> it was, and Greenlaw, it was a slow start to the game, anyways. There. <laughs> yeah, I didn't miss much. Uh, but Greenlaw, like it, on every one of his tackles, like he was up. He was the most emphatic like in your face, so energized player out there. And then as soon as he went out, you just watch that defense and like, yes, Fred Warner's flying around. He's a monster and San Fran's defense did play good, but they didn't have that like, okay, we're tougher than you mentality. As soon as Greenlaw went out and that really, really hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it begs the question then, and you know, every talking head sports show podcast personality, everyone's going to be talking about this today there. It's the classic, you know, well, did San Francisco blow it or did Casey win it? Did either of those two options really stand out to you? Or did you just kind of say, Hey, this was the outcome of kind of a weird, you know, dull 50 minutes football game, exciting 10 last 10 minutes of a football game here. Yeah. I, it was just a weird weird playoffs you get here like i think we were all talking about it before it's just it was hard to get hyped for this game um i didn't i don't care to see kansas city continue to win but like that's two more super bowls since they traded away their best receiver mm-hmm. i think i saw a stat that now they're the only team in nfl history to uh win a super bowl with their quarterback being 15 percent of the salary cap or more so they just tried to take a step back a couple of years ago dumped a bunch of money into Mahomes, um and it didn't hurt them like th- this should have been two years of them stepping back and they continue to win so i you just got to give them some credit for what they've been able to do yeah well it's been two years of oh Mahomes needs help offensive Mahomes doesn't have weapons I-, I think you and me could suit up as wide receivers out there and just go do some cardio and he would still probably win a super bowl like he- he's genuinely just an otherworldly quarterback and you know, at the rate he's going, no, he's not the greatest of all time. Still got a ways to go to catch Brady and all his Super Bowls and everything that he's done there. But he's well on his way. And, you know, if he retired today, you know, he's you look at kind of the numbers he's put up. 
I think he's in the category of the Marinos and the Elways and kind yeah. of th that second tier. Like I, I wouldn't put him up there with the, you know, Brady's and maybe Montana kind of up there. Like, I think he's still chasing that a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, like he's, he's going to shatter everything that Montana did at this rate and yeah. Brady better hope that, you know, he, he doesn't, take up the tb12 method and can play till he's 40 because i think a lot of his records are going to be falling as well too if that's the case yeah the, the path that he's on he's i it just looks like there's no doubt he's going to shatter all brady i do agree with you that he's still kind of in that secondary tier but he is getting up there and yeah if you and i were playing receiver if we managed to get open and catch the ball we we would at least i think know not to run backwards for nine yards in overtime yeah like yes and like, you know, they, that's just been the whole season with the chiefs of like their receivers just make them take steps backwards. And Mahomes is like, all right, well, I'll just keep carrying you guys. Well, like, it's, it's, it's incredible what he can do with this, this, this cast of misfits on misfit Island. It's so impressive. It's, it's between MVS and Nicole Hardman, Nicole Hardman, who like, just time after time will absolutely be either drive killers with the drops, make a bonehead play, run backwards inexplicably, like muff a punt. In overtime, like, come on, what are you doing? Yeah. But then we'll just somehow get open for like, oh, there, there you go. MPS just yeah. caught a, like a 60-yard bomb to ice the game. Or, oh, there's the overtime winner. And it's like, okay, it's not Travis Kelsey going out and doing that. He's making it work. Like you say, he, he's turning chicken shit into you know the chicken platter over here it's it's unbelievable what he's able to do with the cast surrounding them and it'll be interesting to see what the front office does this offseason as well too because you've got some kind of premier wide receivers who could become available like a, a Pittman, a t higgins like slot either one of those guys in yeah, aside from you know opposite from rasheed rice and suddenly you've got a very viable offense and Isaiah Pacheco, who, you know, all he does is win Super Bowls. He's two for two at this point. <laughs> so what an, what an easy sport it is for Mr. Pacheco <laughs> over there. Yeah. Uh, straight to the hall of fame for Pacheco, uh, yeah. even though he, I, I didn't really like his game. This, uh, he didn't play well in the Super Bowl, but you know, he, he got the job done. He has a ring and I don't. Yeah. Well, he's got two of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the Patrick <laughs> Wall. He can, uh, can't hear you. He's got both his rings in his ears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, another big takeaway I had is like the Chiefs, I don't know, they kind of feel like remember the Patriots when they're in their dynasty. It's like they won games that they shouldn't have won because teams just can't seem to take advantage of the mistakes. Mm -hmm. And uh both of Kansas City's turnovers, there's two turnovers, and they the the Niners went three and out on both of those turnovers. Kansas City also put the ball on the ground four times. Mm -hmm. And San Fran got nothing out of it. So they just like, when they're down, you got to keep kicking them. Yeah. And they just let them get back up every time. You got to take advantage of these, of these, of these mistakes that they make. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting looking back on the Patriots dynasty now with hindsight of everything. You probably make the argument that some of the Super Bowls they won, they didn't deserve to win. And some of the ones that they lost, they probably should have won. Right. Yeah, so for sure. And I think it's very much following that kind of same pattern where anyone who watched that game 
you can't sit there with a straight face and be like, man, Casey, what a, what an unbelievable performance from start to finish <laughs> there. Super deserving, right? Like it, It's very much, hey, we made our mistakes, but we bent. We didn't break. We, mm-hmm. you know, kept playing till the final whistle and all these other sports cliches you want to throw at it. But that's what they do, right? Like that's that's what an Andy Reid coached team does is they're going to make mistakes and they're going to go out there and still try and make the best of a bad situation. Whereas other teams will make the exact same mistakes and they'll just be crushed. Like you can see them completely deflated and that takes them right out of the game. And so, you know, it's again, getting back to that leadership, both in the locker room, whether it's Kelsey, whether it's Mahomes, whether it's Andy Reid, you know, whether it's Kelsey yelling at Andy Reid on the sideline there. Which was great, honestly. Yeah. But, uh, that that seems to be lacking in a lot of their mm-hmm. opponents who ultimately end up falling short, right? It seems to be self-inflicted wounds that the opposition can't get over, but KC just time and time again is able to weather that storm and still end up putting together a victory only by a couple of points in the skin of their teeth, but that's three Lombardies that have gone to Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, you can do all the uh, the analytics and you know, hire all the all the new wave coaching and everything, but there I don't think there's ever going to be any stats to actually track how much a winning culture really affects your team. Like once you get over that hump and you know what it takes to be the champion, it just really changes you as a franchise when you have a few of those guys on your team who are who are your leaders. And Kansas City really shows that. Yeah. Well, we we had paid extra attention to the end of the game ceremonies there because there were quite a few rumors floating around as far as, all right, what's the future of Andy Reid? If he wins it, is he going to retire? Mm-hmm. Even them trying to do a post-game interview with him, you, you saw it on the CBS feed as far as, no, 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 he's, he's saving all his comments for on the, the podium, which kind of kicked the internet into a frenzy again as well, too, as far as, oh, maybe he is actually going to retire here. He's flirted with the idea, ultimately said he's not going to make any, you know, pronouncements on his future at this point. Um, Same kind of thing happened with Travis Kelsey as far as, all right, you know, is he going to go out on the mountaintop or is he coming back for another year? You know, super successful podcast as a billionaire country music star girlfriend, (laughs) a lot of things on the go. Is he going to retire as well? And by the looks of it, they're they're ready to run it back. So you talk about that winning culture. Once you're a part of it, it's kind of hard to quit, <laughs> right? Yeah. You, you always feel like, you know what? We can do this again next year. Let's go. Three, Pete. Here we go. Yeah, it kind of gave me uh, just what you're talking, kind of gave me vibes of uh, Ben Johnson saying in Detroit, where he's like, why would I leave? Like, we're building something here. I want to be part of something winning. Why would I leave and go try to mess around in uh, Washington? But yeah, I was looking at the stats. Like Andy Reid is 65, mm-hmm. and he's 70, 70 wins behind Don Shula. So yeah. he needs he needs some good seasons if he wants to get that record. So that's kind of why I was like, maybe he will hang them up. But I don't know. Just the the vibes after the game, it really seemed like they're gonna keep running it back until someone stops them. Yeah, and you know, I I don't think knowing Belichick and Reed's personalities like Belichick is a student of the game. He loves the history. Like he he's very concerned about kind of his place in football lore. Whereas Andy, you know, it's obviously winning is important to him and that, that's his end goal, but I don't think it holds that same value as far yeah. as, you know, Don Shula's all time wins record. 
it would be a nice thing to have, but I don't think that's motivating him. Whereas Belichick right right now was going on interviews, not so much because he's in his seventies and wants to continue doing this until he has an aneurysm on the sideline, (laughs) but because he is just hell bent on, you know what? This is so close. I can almost taste it. I'll always regret it if I hang it up now. So like that fuels him. Whereas I think to a lesser degree, it's just more so, Hey, do I enjoy coming into work still is kind of what gets Andy out of bed in the morning. I just see Andy just like doing it as a joke, you know, letting Bill get a few more wins over the next couple of years. And then like just passing Bill by like one win is like, well, see ya. (laughs) Mid-season retirement. (laughs) And Andy's done in week 12. (laughs) Uh, Actually, there's a cheeseburger eating contest I'm more interested in. So I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, out of those two, like, let's say they both come back next year. Like, who do you see hanging it up first as far as Kelsey or Andy Reid? Because they're both, you know, flirting with the idea at this point. Yeah, that's that's hard to predict. I I think Kelsey is he's really starting to show the wear of how intense he plays the game. He doesn't take a snap off when he's out there and he's clearly slowing down. I I am kind of surprised that he's already come out and said that he's coming back next year. So I think he's down for one more year, maybe. There's Andy Reid. I mean, in a head coaching role, I don't see him lasting more than a year or two, but I don't think he's going to leave the game yet. I think he'll, you know, kind of move up into the upper management, yeah. a little more hands off. He'll watch the game from, you know, up in the, in the owner's suite and, you know, yell at people, but I don't think he's going to, really step away from the game I, but yeah i see kelsey maybe one more year if if he's just continues to get banged up like he was this year he's gotta he's gotta start thinking about his future yeah well that, that's just it right like they both kind of have these built-in exit strategies where yeah. you know it, it's the classic the an athlete dies twice in their life once when they really die and once when their sports career is over because <laughs> a lot of these people are pretty lost without the game right but Andy pretty much has a, hey, print your own business card. Like, what do you want your title to be with the Chiefs? If you still want to be here, we'll have you in the building, whether that's, you know, special advisor to the general manager or some sort of personnel or even just community relations, whatever he wants, it's his for the taking. He's never going to have to buy a beer in that state for the rest of his life. (laughs) But Kelsey, very much the same thing, right? He's got like the number one sports podcast on the planet. He can go fly around in a private jet with his girlfriend there and see the world and all these concert tours. Like he's got all these things away from the game that they're going to be kept busy enough. And I think out of the two of them, just because of that, that kind of wear and tear factor, right? Like Andy's not taking car wreck style hits on the sideline every single game. Whereas we saw it, you know, he still put up his numbers this year. But I've said it before, right? Tight ends don't age gracefully. It's not Mm -hmm. like you're going to see a a Jerry Rice style. Oh, he's still playing into his 40s. It's very much like the wheels have fallen off and this thing went off a cliff in a hurry. And we started to see it a little bit this year. I, I, I think he's still going to be amongst the league's best just because of the hands that he's got. But he just doesn't have that same burst and separation that a younger version of himself did. And so... If they go out there and, hey, he has a relatively healthy season, even if they don't win it, I can kind of see next year being Kelsey's final kick at the can. Um, but that that being said, let, let's hope that coming back for that final year, 
still allows him to go out on his own terms rather than, oh, here's a catastrophic injury or something like that. And now the game has passed you by because that rehab process is going to be so long and lengthy. And, you know, we, we've seen that happen to a lot of uh, very, very prominent NFL stars as well, too, over the years. And hopefully we can avoid that outcome for Travis. And, you know, and like like I said, the, he has Kelsey, sorry, he did say that he is coming back and he wants a three-peat and all that, but that's also in the heat of the moment. Right after winning the Super Bowl, you're surrounded by your team. Like, you just reached the pinnacle of your career, of course. You're singing you're, Viva Las Vegas. On Viva the Las Vegas. You're belching <laughs> it out like Taylor Swift's getting the ick watching you try to sing. <laughs> she was like, this is over now. I'm done. Yeah. Um, so maybe she'll just break up with him and he'll have to continue his own life. Yeah. Uh, stay in football for another 10 years but no it's it, you know you're you're super excited at no point does anyone who just won a ring think i can't do this again next year yeah. so he obviously wants to come back right now but you know there's an evaluation process that he has to go through yeah well i think peyton manning was the exception to that because uh he he got his <laughs> corpse dragged to the super bowl yeah. there by that denver broncos team there so. i think he had decided that about two years before that yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> oh man but i mean all, all in all i've seen a, like a really wide range of opinions on this super bowl like yeah. uh, I, I think you and i have kind of discussed it like we had already mentioned right 50 minutes of Ugh, kind of sloppy football like it, it was it's one thing to watch a defensive struggle and hey look at these two teams just playing shutdown defense and how can the offense adapt but both teams were putting the ball on the ground they had turnovers it was not a well-oiled offensive machine for either the Chiefs or the Niners but I've seen people who are saying that was the greatest Super Bowl ever that I've ever seen and it's like I, I can't even begin to get into the line to get into the stadium of the realm of that was the greatest Super Bowl ever because nothing about that other than the fact that it went to overtime, you know, was all that exciting. Like you look back at the history of the Super Bowls, you've had explosive shootouts. You've had absolutely like, oh my God, game changing plays. Like if you were to even just boil down the game, to one play to be like that encapsulated the Super Bowl. I, I don't even know what I would pick because like nothing really stood out, right? The Chiefs won, but the, it was like a slugfest rather than this brilliant performance put on by either side of the football. Yeah, like, I, like those, you know, old school Baltimore Ravens 10-6 games. I love those when, you know, Terrell Suggs and Ray Lewis are running around hammering people. This was not that. This yeah. was a low-scoring messy sloppy game like you you said the 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 plays that you're going to think about five years from now i'm going to think about mccall Hardman running backwards for nine yards <laughs> uh jake moody missing an extra point yeah which could have like you know that would game went to overtime there's uh, obviously that point was very very important and not really much else like in the first quarter jo Jawan Jennings like, break, breakout career game yeah. that that went for not because they didn't win the Super Bowl so you can't exactly. like Jennings, one of those like started off so hot and then all of a sudden he was irrelevant for the rest of the game and then uh in the first quarter like you know uh Purdy they were down like it was second and like 13 or something makes this big play oh holding penalty yeah. there's just all mistakes that brought everything like any big play potential got brought back so it was just kind of a slow 
slog of getting to it and then just yeah like you said it went to overtime so now people are like this is the greatest game i was like what were you doing for the first three quarters of the game then yeah yeah greatest greatest final 20 minutes of a game yeah. maybe but like like you said in the entirety of it uh, i don't know nothing nothing really turned my crank there too much because even just the amount of false starts that were happening in that game where it's the Super Bowl. It's a corporate event. There's no home crowd. Like it's not yeah. like you're you're going into friggin' twelfth man here. Let's get the decibel meters up on the board. Like just it 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 was it was a struggle there. But I I think it also stands out as just like a nah, I can't put it up there as one of the greatest ever. Just because and and we discussed this at length and it's a pretty polarizing figure either you love them or you don't. But our friend Tony Romo was was on one last night as far oh, as uh, so, some of the commentary that was going on there. And you know, I don't it, know, Jim. I don't know, Jim. Your defense <laughs> is tired, Jim. Yeah, it's it's really was kind of taking away from the game at certain points and. You know, they're all trying to do their best to inject their own personality and that into the game. But we had said before, like, you know, haircut aside, J.J. Watt, <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> on-air personality. A Greg yeah. Olson, unbelievable on-air personality. And, and they blend knowledge with actually what they're talking about, where I think Tony Romo's whole shtick of, like, I'm going to try and predict the play before it happens, got old fast. Right. And then beyond his ability to see, all right, how, what are the formations they're lining up in? This is probably what's going to happen. Once he got past that in year one, people kind of realized like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe there are some annoying tendencies and mm -hmm. it doesn't, you know, get me all that excited to know that they're going to run a bootleg on this play before they snap the ball or whatever the case might be. Yeah. He, he, like, like you said, we watched the game together. He was, a, he was driving me bonkers. He doesn't know a single offensive lineman's name. Yeah. Uh, he likes to point out guys who are not like go to the replay, and he's like, and look at Karloftis over here, and like, it's like Kansas City's on offense, man. What are you talking about? Like, yeah. he's not on the field. Yeah, he doesn't learn people's names. He knows like three three players, and he just likes to talk over Jim and ramble about things that just make no sense. And he drove me nuts. Yeah. Well, it, it's the the constant oh we're we're gonna be a gunslinger mentality that he's got as far as yeah. it'll be like fourth and thirteen and they're on their own twenty yard line. He's like oh I think it's four down territory here, Jim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really, you really think that right now? Like it's uh, yeah, but we're like oh they gotta keep pressing, Jim. They, they got the defense tired. It was like really because their defense was just on the sideline for twenty minutes. Yeah. What are you talking about? The defense is tired. Their defense is tired here, Jim. It was a 40-minute halftime Usher special. Like, what are you yeah. talking about that they're tired right now? Anyways, but yeah, he was on one. Yeah, Tony Tony Romo uh, is is not getting passing marks. Him, him and Shanahan both need to go and have a, a debrief <laughs> of the night that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, uh, they did not bring out their best performances, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, th there's all sorts of other little tiny nuances that we can get into here, but what what i'm more interested in is all right the season's done you can relitigate the past all you want which team do you feel better about heading into 2024 if you're either a niners fan or a chiefs fan and let's just assume you run these rosters back who who's more poised to go on a deep run in, in 2024 
I was saying to Craig on the way home, like, I really can't wait to dive into the financials and see who is leaving, who's going to be staying. Um, I did a quick look this morning, actually, and I just, I really feel that Kansas City has a path to retain all their big names and just do it again next year. Like, they they have Mahomes already locked up. We know that's there. Uh, they have a way to get Legereus Sneed back. And if if they decide not to, which, you know, they've done in the past, they've let some key defensive players walk. Like, we just watched McDuffie just mm. crush on defense last year. So maybe he's going to step up for a bigger role. They are great at drafting um, young cornerbacks. They have the youngest defense in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Chris Jones, they can let walk, and that saves them a whole bunch of money. I, mm-hmm. I just have a really hard time seeing how Kansas City is not even better next year. Like, they're going to have space. They're going to get a wide receiver. A defense is, like, all going to come back. I just really... I'm afraid of, I'm more confident in them for next season than I was coming into this season, to be honest. Yeah. Well, that that's a good, you know, thread to pull on just in the fact that when Kansas city beat the Eagles in the super bowl, it was very much a, okay. They, they proved that they could do it without Tyreek. They silenced all the, well, what are the weapons? Right. Mm-hmm. And now they've done it again. Right. So it's, it's back to back here. There's clearly a blueprint that works. And I think a lot of it does go back to that, just that winning culture. You get the right people in the locker room. You get the right people on the sidelines and a lot of good things will happen, regardless of what the name on the back of the jersey ultimately ends up looking like. As long as you've got Patrick Mahomes under center, Andy Reid on the sideline, and, you know, some real leaders on both sides of the ball, that's very much a blueprint for success in the NFL. Because up until the last, I would say, two seasons, my entire existence of watching the NFL, Kansas City has been a run and gun. Like if they're not going to win 35-31, like they're in a world of trouble. They haven't had good defenses for the vast right. majority of the past 30 years. This year and last year, like they, they took a huge step forward, even from that improved unit last year to being a very, very sneaky, good defensive unit and their ability to just hit home runs on their draft picks. Like they're Mm. just, it's these rookie deals that come in and they're rotating them in and they're not burning years of development. Like they're impact players from day one. And you just see their roles grow with the team year over year over year. Like Karlaftis and McDuffie are two perfect examples of that there, but they just don't miss draft wise. And I think if you look at their two rosters on paper, you would probably say, all right, I I like the Niners better, but they've proven kind of who they are in the opposite end of the spectrum. As far as they just don't have that winning culture in the big moments, the ability to overcome the fumbles, the ability to overcome, you know, an injury here or there, right? Like it it seems to implode them a little bit. So if Mm -hmm. I'm choosing just between the two of them, I've got to lean towards Kansas city, especially when you look around the division as well, too, like the Raiders, what are they going to do? They're still not relevant out there. The Broncos, like that's, uh, we we don't even know who their quarterback is going to be next year. Right. It'll be interesting to see what the chargers do, but we've said that how many seasons in a row now of, Hey, Justin Herbert. And is this the year they take over the Mm -hmm. division? That's so, a whole nother podcast if we want to get into the Chargers. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, that that NFC West, mm-hmm. aside from Arizona, 
you can make a case that the Rams, the Seahawks, or the Niners have a legitimate shot at winning that division next year. So I, I would have to side with Kansas City as well, too, just yeah. because of the whole body of work that they've put out there over the past couple of seasons. Yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with the consistency that they've had. Like, it's what they keep doing. They're going to go in. They're going to have a 32nd overall pick again. And they're going to just grab some little stud. He won't be great in his first year, but then come playoffs, he'll play a bit more, just like Carl Aftis. And, like, they just keep doing this. And it's it's frustrating. Yeah. We can't keep letting them do this. Yeah, well, it's almost the opposite <laughs> effect of what the Eagles do with their rookies, right? Like, we saw mm. it with Carter this year. And yep. it was all right. You're you're getting a prominent role right out of the gate here. And yep. guess what? Those Georgia Bulldogs teams they are not you know three four down on defense. They're rotating their linemen quite a bit. And the fact that hey, it's a 17 game season against these yep. all world you know athletes here. And so Carter, who should have won Rookie of the Year, if not for the fact that he completely gassed out the last yep. four or five weeks of the season. Right. We, we saw that effect that it had and the defense for Philadelphia got worse as the season went along as a result because they've got so many young players. They just have the entire freaking Georgia Bulldogs defensive unit. Out there. <laughs> and so, yeah, they're, they're giving them a little bit too much, too fast, too soon. Whereas Kansas City, it's all right. You are bare minimum, you know, rotational piece right now. You're on a snap count. We're going to work in slowly. And as the season goes on, they see those roles increase. So they're not gassing out these impact players. So it's the exact opposite effect that's going on here where their rookies are finally hitting their stride come weeks 15, 16, 17 and into the playoffs. Whereas Phillies are all just gassed out and they're already booking their Cancun vacations. Yeah. No. And they're getting, you know, they're getting production from their late round picks and teams like San Fran are, they're, you know, scooping up uh, Jake Moody in their second pick of the draft. (laughs) (laughs) Well, use your resources properly teams. I just, I can't say that enough. Just reuse your resources properly. You got to look even just in that division, right? Like Puka and Kyron Williams were available well after Jake Moody got selected. I I get it. You want someone with a leg. And and for a brief moment, Jake Moody did have the Super Bowl record for longest kick (laughs) until Harrison Butker was like, no, no, let me snatch that with a 57 yarder. Jake Uh, Moody holding a Super Bowl record kick was not on my bingo card. No, no. Well, that was, I don't know how many props there were about missed extra points or missed field goals. And all of them were skewing towards Moody, but yeah, it's, Kind of the tale of two front offices where one is not getting a whole heck of a lot of high draft picks, but is really nailing them. And the other one is reaching for, you know, special teamers. And we've seen that blueprint play out. Like, how well did the Raiders do when they reached for a punter and a kicker super early in the draft there? Like, oh, my God, I forgot about that year. That's hilarious. So it's it's very much. (laughs) you know, coming down to the cultures. And I think San Francisco, again, anyone who's listening to this shouldn't be thinking, oh, they're predicting downfall of San Francisco. They're probably going to go out there, win double digits next year. They'll be in the thick of it in the NFC West. It's not all doom and gloom. Shanahan's not getting fired. They're going to run it back. But that doesn't excuse them from needing to do like a top-down evaluation of how are we approaching the draft? Why is it that in these big moments – 
we collapse? Is that something where maybe we need to add a position on the coaching staff as far as, all right, your whole thing is just focusing on game management here so that Kyle Shanahan, the beautiful mind offensive genius that he is, can just focus on X's and O's. And then someone else is kind of reminding him like, by the way, <laughs> when Warner runs out there, tell him we want the ball second. Like that, that's your whole job. That, that could have been the difference between a Super Bowl or not. And I think that would have been money well worth spent on that coaching staff. Yeah, what is, it, uh, is it McVay that has a coach that's just there to keep him off the sideline or off the field? Yeah. Like, <laughs> there are roles that you can hire of these little details. Like yeah, you can yeah. get people in this. Yeah. Um, Listen, you want to yeah, fly like... me or Devin around and literally our whole <laughs> job is just to remind you of if the game goes to overtime, yeah. These are the rules. I'll have a printout ready for you. And I'll, I'll just pile around Once you have you. left, it'll be great. Don't worry. Exactly. Right? Uh, Don't have to pay me much. <laughs> but yeah, back to what you were like saying at the start of that is like, yes, we are not sitting here saying San Fran is done. They're not done as a franchise. They're not done. They are still have a fantastic team. Um, they just really need to like put things in order. I don't, I, there's not there um from the top up they need to really decide evaluate what they're going to do and they need to bring in probably a couple super bowl vets to just be like we need to stop messing around when it comes to the big game and we need to actually get this done mm -hmm. yeah well you look at the defensive sides of the ball there too like you were saying kansas city an exceptionally young group yeah i'm not saying their windows closed but it's closing yeah, it's getting this. there yeah, with this veteran-heavy group that San Francisco yeah. is trotting out there. And you know what? They need to start hitting on some of those draft picks there to start grooming the replacements of, you know, a Fred Warner or, you know, what's yep. going to happen with Javon Hargrave, who had a couple big plays in the Super Bowl but is a very expensive piece along an aging defensive line. Like, they've got some questions to kind of figure out there. And couple that with the fact that at some point, Purdy, Mr. Irrelevance, rookie scale contract is going to come up for a big pay raise. And then your hand's going to get forced a little bit there too, because I, I, I oscillate where on my opinion of where I would rank him, but I still, for the life of me, granted small sample size has only been around for two seasons here, <laughs> but I cannot get behind the whole like, Hey, Brock Purdy is a legitimate top five, top eight quarterback in the league. I, I I will debate with whoever has that opinion till I'm blue in the face. Like he's not a bad quarterback, but he's kind of in the 10 to 15 range here, right? Like he, I would say he's better than half the quarterbacks in the league, but to say that he's like the, the whole Brock Purdy MVP stealth candidate, you know, campaign that essentially got run until they went up against the Baltimore Ravens and got embarrassed on national television like that would have been a farce if Brock Purdy was your 2023 NFL MVP at that point. So it's again, you're going to have to pay him, but it is going to be in my mind, really interesting to see what that number ultimately ends up being because we've seen it time and time again, you know, it's not always the best player who gets paid the most. It's the next player who gets paid the most, right? Who's going to be the new record setting contract that comes out but I'd be pretty leery of breaking the bank for Brock Purdy because uh, with that same mentality, if we can find a Brock Purdy with the last pick in the draft, why, why wouldn't you try and extend your window by finding a cheaper replacement than giving him, you know, $45 million a year. 
Uh, when I uh, brought up uh, like Mahomes earlier, I I did mean to allude on this exact point about Brock Purdy. Like maybe Shanahan's looking across the field and seeing what Mahomes is capable do- capable of doing of taking that team over the limit, and he's like, maybe I can't just keep riding the last overall pick. Like I I feel the exact same way as you do about Purdy. He had a great season. He has been managing that team fine. Like he's doing absolutely nothing wrong. But I just brought it up because I have a. Uh, um, some way too early 2024 fantasy rankings. <laughs> and I actually surprised myself when I wrote out my rankings because I brought Purdy at 13. Yeah. I don't even have him as a top 10 quarterback. He finished as the quarterback six this year. And again, this is fantasy. This is not, you know, real life football, but I was surprised at how little I value what he brings to a team. And I was kind of got me thinking, I was like, there are a lot of better options out there for a team to, to upgrade at that position while, you know, not breaking the bank for Brock Purdy in a couple of years. Yeah. It'll, it's, it's going to be a wild off season in terms of just quarterbacks, just for right. sheer volume of quarterbacks. We saw take the field and play meaningful yeah. snaps this year, right? Like when Joe Flacco was winning comeback player of the year, coming off a couch to take the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs. I still don't understand that brain award. That's so annoying. Yeah. Well, again, that's all from the ca- I don't get it. Like, I don't get how Geno Smith won it last year. You came back from being a shitty player. Yeah. You won an award. Like, I don't, I don't get that award. Yeah. But anyways, that, that's that's a whole other kettle of fish right there. The NFL awards and MVPs and all, all of that. But, you know, there'll, there'll be a market adjustment that happens this year just because people now see like, oh, we can't just have no one as a backup quarterback. Like th- th- there's some pretty bad results that can happen when you cycle through six or seven of them, a la the New York Jets and the debacle that they just went through this year. Yeah, But the smart teams should always be able to find some of these underappreciated game managers, which everyone kind of always says, Oh, he's a game manager, but you know, don't take that away from him as a, as a knock on him. Well, it, it kind of is a knock on him, right? Because if you truly think that this is someone who will single-handedly win you a game, you would call him that you wouldn't call him a game manager. So (laughs) these quasi game managers like a Baker Mayfield, or like there's always going to be one guy out there on the market who you swap Baker Mayfield with Brock Purdy. And you can't tell me that Baker Mayfield wouldn't do better in that situation than Brock Purdy would do down with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So seeing how, the front office approaches that contract extension that's going to be coming up for Purdy. It's going to be interesting because there's going to be a large portion of the Niners fan base who are kind of, of the mentality that like, no, we've got a solution in house, pay the man, right? Screw it. Patrick Mahomes is getting near half a billion dollar contracts handed out to him. So, you know, they're winning super bowls. Let's break the bank at quarterback. We need that position. Then you're going to have another half of them that have seen, some of these big games come and go, and you realize even when you look at you know Purdy's stat line from the Super Bowl, didn't jump off the page one way or another. And I think that's kind of what you can expect to him. So, is all you want out of him someone who can get the ball into your playmaker's hands, or do you need someone who, when the big moment happens, it's Patrick Mahomes calling his own number on an RPO and he doesn't run very much, but damn it, it's the Super Bowl and I just got 13 yards for us and helped win the game. That's really what it comes down to for me. I think my biggest complaint when people are talking about quarterbacks and calling them game managers is like there's a difference between a game manager and someone who just manages a game. Like if you look at Mahomes' 
end of season. Got to put the emphasis on the right syllable. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, you look at Mahomes most of the season. He was not Mahomes. He managed every game. He did what needed to be done. And then, like in the Super Bowl, when plays needed to be made, he was able. He's able to step up. He has that talent. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like guys like Brock Purdy, are just you know they're just kind of there, and they they're very replaceable. Like you said, you can just switch them out with Baker Mayfield, and it will be absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. So it's like game managers are very very valuable, but you need to be able to manage your own game, and be able to step up and make that huge play, which Brock Purdy did not do in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Game management is one of many tools in Patrick yes. Mahomes' toolbox, right? He's got elite arm yeah. talent. He can run. He has a sense of when, you know, he needs to step up versus I, I'm trying to alpha this too much. I actually need to take a step back and start putting the ball into, mm-hmm. you know, Kelsey's hands or into Rice's hands or whatever the case might be. My Whereas- defense is shutting them down. I just need to slow the game down i don't need to be the superstar i don't need a three play 75 yard drive i need a 15 play 75 yard like i need to just burn the clock like that's yeah. a skill to have in your toolbox that being your only skill is not good yeah yeah and, and you know if they take a look at the market when his contract comes up <clears> and they say listen it's a weak quarterback class coming in it's not many free agent quarterbacks out there on the veteran side of things. We don't feel like there's a legitimate trade option available out there. Like go ahead. If you want to spend, you know, mm. 30, 30 to 40, we'll probably say is kind of like that league average. Fine. Go ahead and do it, but don't be resetting the market with yeah. a Brock Purdy yeah. contract extension here just because he happens to be the next one up and you can point towards the fact that, oh, NFC Championship, NFC Championship, you know, Super Bowl appearances and, and all the things that'll be on his resume because it, it all boils down to the people who believe that wins are a quarterback stat versus the byproduct of being yeah. on a team. So if you're going to point towards team success there, then Jake Moody, you better extend the crap out of him when he comes up as well too. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, don't reset the market. Let Dallas do that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But anyways, so moving forward, NFL draft is going to be coming up. I know that uh, you've got a whole whack load of fantasy breakdowns coming up over the next week or so. Tell the people what you got cooking and where they can find all your good stuff. Uh, Yeah. So we're doing, like I said, we're doing a, a little positional breakdown for fantasy. Just way too early predictions. This is, not going to include rookies. I'm diving into the draft coming up and we'll do some mock drafts of rookies for fantasy. And then of course, uh, if you read my stuff last year, I dive way too far into after the draft of where <laughs> everyone went and I evaluate every single player that gets drafted. So we'll have that as well. And it's uh, it's always going to be on Dine's press box. So there we go. Well, Dev pleasure as always. We, we got to fill our days with something football related. So oh, know, I'll find and- something. A- NFL draft you're gonna watch a little UFL like what what are you Actually, doing I, I, I had that written down to ask you if you're gonna get into it I was like I think I'm gonna try but it's gonna last a week and a half and I'm gonna be out yeah I, I think I've, I've had that exact same outcome with every iteration yeah. of USFL XFL yeah, whatever the XFL one was last year I remember texting you like you watching this game you're like yeah and then like two weeks later we talked and I was like yeah I've, I've watched like three quarters and that's it like I'm yeah done. <laughs> I don't know. Just bring in like someone fun. Yeah. Bring in some bigger name players. I don't know. I'm just 
Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it's probably not. Yeah. Ah, who, who knows there? We'll have Dwayne the Rock Johnson suit up for two plays per game or something <laughs> like that. Go scamper around. <laughs> oh, just get rid of kickers. I don't know. Do something weird. Like make it. <laughs> Oh boy, here, here comes the, we better carve out some time for Devin's thoughts about kickers here. <laughs> hey, kickers are great. 